0: Welcome to The Ledge. My name is Chris Harper and I'll be your host every week. Every Tuesday, I will interview an artist, developer, or creative mind from the Web3 space. I'll be getting up close and personal with my guests as we explore the emerging crypto art and NFT scene. It is my feeling along with many others that we are in a digital renaissance. The emergence of blockchain technology has revolutionized the way we look at ownership, provenance, and digital assets It is my goal as your host to help shed light on these complex subjects, and even more so the individuals behind it all who are carving out their place in history here on The Ledge of Web3. My name's Chris Hartler, and I'd like to welcome you to another episode of The Ledge. Today I'm here with David Henry Nobody Jr. David Henry Nobody Jr., man, how are you? Welcome to the show.
1: Uh, I am, um, I'm good. Um, uh, that reminds me of one of my favorite songs, uh, recently is, uh, sitting on the edge of forever by John mouse when you said the ledge. So
0: <laughs> right on, man, yeah, yeah. David, you're an artist, uh, crypto artist. You're minting, uh, NFTs now. Uh, yep. and it looks to me from what the little research I've done on you it looks like you're kind of a multimedia artist. You're kind of all, kind of all aspects of things. Yep. Yeah, right on, man. Well, tell me about yourself, your age, where you're from, where you live.
1: Uh, I'm a couple years over the hill, <laughs> over 50. Right on. Um, I've been a, a showing an experimental, mainly performative artist since the early 1990s based in Brooklyn. Okay. And I, I moved here after I graduated from a liberal arts college with uh, um, almost a BFA. Uh, one physics class shy. Um, um, but yeah, my, uh, I do a lot of different things and it's developed over 30 years. So I yeah. actually com- come into NFT in probably from a, a highly unusual vantage point. Like I'm not um, an animator. I'm not, um, I didn't grow up looking at memes. I didn't grow up looking at anime, you know, all the things that like the younger people that are in in crypto art and nft art kind of come from like a like in general like certain uh, vantage points i like come from another planet basically
0: yeah i totally get that man uh that's one uh thing that i was that made me interested in talking to you is you and i are pretty close to the same age Mm -hmm. and uh you know i come from kind of the same perspective you're talking about man like the analog generation you know and yeah now we're here finding ourselves in the digital generation where did oh, you grow up? Where, what part of the world did you grow up? Uh, like?
1: I'm from uh, like one town over from New Hope, Pennsylvania. Okay, um, which is uh, culturally important. Why? Because the band Ween is from the the band Ween is from the next town over. Yeah, and, you know, those are like the uh, like the uh, the Frank Zappa conceptual granddaddies of the 1990s, like the Ramones of the 90s, like more con- more conceptual. But that's pretty important to my work as far as doing many. Um, working in many different styles, like doing a lot of different things. I kind of looked to, I got drew inspiration from bands like ween who like they had a country album and they had a heavy metal song, you know, like, yeah. I was like wow, yeah. that's fucking cool. That's like, that's what reality looks like to me, like very splintered. It um, sounds like
0: that had a big impact on you.
1: Uh, I just kind of figured I always liked them, but I kind of figured it out like as I went, you know, it wasn't like, right. like everything it's just kind of arrived at and, not as far as much as I try and premeditate like all my work and where the direction yeah. I'm going, I, I can't, I'm at the whims of life.
0: <laughs> what was your education like in, uh, in Pennsylvania? Did you go to like private school, public school? How'd you um, do school? I
1: went to, um, I actually went to a Quaker school in, in elementary school, uh, Newtown friends oh, wow. school. Um, so that there's an imprint of that, like in my sensibility, although it's, you wouldn't see it at first i was a very rowdy and very out of control young man and kid yeah. <laughs> very rebellious i yeah, i have I like a strong um uh distrust of authority very strong still
0: what I'm are getting, your parents what where are your parents
1: oh uh well my my parents are are in pennsylvania well, my dad just passed away like a couple oh, weeks
0: sorry, ago yeah, yeah well
1: he was very old he was 92 so wow yeah, it's like the full the full life lived. My mother is 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 doing okay, but she's in she's in Pennsylvania. Right. Um and then for high school, I um I really had like I, I my parents were pretty scared of the public schools back then in the 1980s like um there were like yeah. kids with like knives and guns and shit. So they pulled me <laughs> out and they put me in private school. I ended up okay. at this place Blair Academy in upstate right uh, New Jersey, which was for like you know, semi-intelligent, like uh, intelligent slash semi-intelligent, but like maybe fuck ups, but it was it's a good school. The education was excellent, but they were a little bit more open about like letting people in, like me, um, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that was an experience.
0: Yeah, <laughs> when did you start? When did you like? When did art come into your life? Did you have any uh, art education at all, formal, formal or informal? Yeah,
1: or well, I was always like, um, uh, like one of the best kids in the school at, at art and creativity, and and then I was also naturally pretty performative. You know, I started food fights, and okay. I loved loved all that stuff. That's where the performance comes from. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but there wasn't really a lot of formal training, like in school. I mean, I, I did. I I love to draw and paint, and I have like some of my. So my, my childhood drawings around and they're pretty weird I mean, they look like typical, weird, um, like artists drawings, but except that, like, I definitely taught myself how to draw in perspective by age 10, which is pretty early. That's early.
0: Yeah, that is early. One question that I like to ask everybody and, uh, every artist that I talk to is like, do you recall the first thing in your life that you ever created that you could like call art?
1: Uh, I don't know. I gotta think about that. There's like a, that, that's like a lot of stuff. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure if I really had a name for it, um, you yeah. mean like really naming it?
0: Yeah. Like what, you know, when did you ever, like, when you remember like the first time you thought like, Hey, maybe I'm like an artist, you know, as a kid, or uh, you know,
1: I, it was like an outlet for me as a kid, for sure. Yeah. Like kind of a, a necessity. I what was the first
0: things you started creating?
1: Um, I think like normal childhood drawings. I mean, I have a sketchbook yeah. that yeah. one that is remaining that has like drawings from like around age 10 onwards. Right on. I don't know, I always got like a lot of uh positive reinforcement in school from my classmates and yeah. the teachers also too about uh things that I I made. So I think that kind of reinforced something. In high school, I kind of um, dropped it a little bit. Um, I I was a kind of small for my age. And I think I was kind of like struggling with being really little and like being kind of prepubescent at like age 16, you know. Right on. <laughs> so like I was probably like too insecure to like really like make work. Um, so I kind of, I don't know. I was probably like trying to figure out how to assimilate a lot. But then, like once I started like uh listening to more punk and like uh smoking weed and doing drugs, that changed very quickly by about <laughs> seventeen and then I started drawing a lot more and started did making you like, dr- um,
0: did you get into drugs pretty young
1: um yeah in high school yeah like mainly yeah. psychedelics i mean at blair like right. it was really hard to drink, so I didn't right. really grow up in that kind of like going to house parties and getting drunk type thing that happened in college um but definitely we were really into l s d and mushrooms and um yeah. I smoked weed like a lot, <laughs> like by my junior yeah. and senior year, and it fu- it fucked my life up. But it it was good. It it, uh, it opened a lot of doors for me, and it kind of got me out of my shell, um, and gave me access to. Maybe I didn't really understand the ideas behind like punk music, but I liked the energy and I liked the rebelliousness right. at the time, and those were good catalysts, you know.
0: Yeah. What were you listening to, man? I'm interested. I'm, I'm like, you're ringing a lot of my bells, man. I, you uh, know. What did I, I was to? Like a 14 year old little drug addict running around listening oh, to yeah. and, the Black Flag and the Dead Kennedys.
1: And- yeah. Dead Kennedys, minor threat. Um, like yeah. really dumb bands too. Like, um, the angry Samoans. When I listen yeah. to them now, I'm like, God, that is pathetic, but it's funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> I listened to a lot of new wave and stuff too, but my music taste kept changing. And um, I would like kind of change my style a lot. I noticed like I would like befriend different groups of friends and then kind of drop the other friends. But like yeah. I would get into like punk and like hang out with all the punks and kind of start to dress like punky or act that way. And then I would change my mind and I, and like I became like a deadhead by like, my freshman year in college and like grew my hair out and started wearing tie dyes and, you know, like became, and like really went to a lot of dead shows. And then like when I first moved to New York, um, which is a whole, you know, another chapter, but like just in terms of music, like I was like really, really into indie rock, like my bloody Valentine and all that stuff was really big in the early nineties here. And, and yeah. then I met a guy from England and he's like, Oi, mate, you're a wanker. Like, I can't believe you listen to indie rock. It's only for white people, man. Like, you've got to fucking open your horizons. Check out this techno in this house and all this stuff. And I was like, Oh, wow. And then I kind of got really into that and I kind of changed my style again. So, like, all the right. knack for, for, like, for, like, quickly, like, being kind of superficial and like changing my identity, there was actually like a deeper voice in that. And right that kind of plays into my work now is, is that I'm really good at like assimilating and appropriating like different languages. When I make my work now, like when I take um, a bunch of Coca-Cola and tape it to my head, I kind of create a persona that's like assimilating to my surroundings. That's kind of my, my thing. I don't really work from within. I kind of need external sim- stimulation. And in the performances, I'm basically like like putting myself in some kind of fucked up situation with like stuff all over me and, and I'll respond to it. It'll it'll actually change me. And then I, I that recording like becomes the work. That's how I work now, basically.
0: Yeah, your art is wild, man. I'm looking at your stuff. I'm just like, this guy's got a fucking brain, man. You're like <laughs> you're going all thousand directions. <laughs> There's sure. a lot going on. It's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, it's very cool. <sighs> how do you earn a living, man? And you earn a living as a full time artist now?
1: Yeah. Um since yeah well for through the 90s and the 2000s like i was re- really broke often like it was harsh
0: you were living the starving artist life
1: yeah i did it i worked as a as a uh as an art installer i mean early right. on when i moved to new york in 1991 um i didn't know anybody and i got a job at pearl paint this like kind of famous art store on canal street and i met a bunch of friends there yeah. and I remember seeing like David Byrne and Klaus Oldenburg and like Edie Brickell and people like that. It was cool. Like in, uh, and crazy New Yorkers would come in screaming like oh, at the gallery, and there'd be like shouting matches, Karen, you know, you would call it a Karen now, but I would never yeah. seen it before. It was very, very funny. It was a terrible job. It was minimum wage. And from there oh I got God. a job as a bike messenger and I've always been into bikes a lot. Um, okay. and I learned to ride a track bike with no brakes. And I actually rode one from okay. 1992 until, I changed to a road bike by around 2009. So that was kind of a big thing for my performances too. That's a whole another thing is uh, urban cycling and, and performance. Um, But from there, really going forward, as far as jobs, like I always worked as an art installer and also as a carpenter, I worked in metal shops. Um, I worked for this woman that made like, was a puppet fabricator. That was amazing. I did a lot of different freelance jobs and that's why I'm really, really, really skilled. Like that's why like those pieces that I make, like I figure out all the mechanics on all that stuff. It's complicated. Um, So that all ended up being influential. And I also always live in like these uh, fix me up or rentals that hopefully I keep for a long time. This one I've had for 10 years. It's like a live work garage and i renovate i get it real cheap and i renovate the whole thing and try and rent out part of it to keep my overhead down i used to do that a lot actually i would have like no rent back in the day like around like in the late 90s and early 2000s i had a huge garage in williamsburg that i lived in fixed up and i rented a lot of it out and i would have like no overhead so i didn't have to work that much but i did a lot of shit jobs forever and that changed really around 2018 i was able to go full-time artist for numerous reasons mainly because of instagram that changed my life the internet changed my life
0: yeah i was checking you out on instagram and you got a pretty uh pretty big page there man Uh, how did you get started on social media and get going down that hole
1: well i kind of didn't want to start uh, i like you know i did i'm not really i've gotten better at at like using all the technology and the computers out of necessity and it's also very satisfying yeah. to learn everything too finally i mean like i used to pay like for my older pieces in the late 90s when i really started like really editing video i paid editors like a hundred bucks a day or it was expensive back then yeah you know to edit for me i didn't know how to use an avid and stuff like that um but over time now i've really have learned to do everything myself Um, where was I going?
0: Well, we're just talking about social media.
1: Oh yeah. You have a massive
0: following. You have like a hundred thousand followers. Yeah. Well, I worked, I I
1: worked really, really hard on that. Um, I joined in 2014 and it was kind of reluctant. Right. I had been on Facebook with a, I had a collective of close friends and we, we really blew apart after trying to work together for 10 years. Yeah. And one of the last straws is that we all joined Facebook, um, having the same, um, account and password. And it ended up (laughs) making us all fucking hate each other. And I was like, I was like, that was like 2010 or something, 11, 12 in there. And, um, I was like, well, I don't know why I would want to, why do I want to be on social media? Like that's terrible. It's just awful. Right. So, um, my, you know, I was really starting to work on my own. The collective broke, broke up in 2013 after 10 years of, of wild stuff and that's a whole nother chapter like where i was really really very very busy with the fantastic nobody's collective um and my own work on the side but it was a big kind of a big social sculpture so in 14 i joined instagram and within the first year i started like uh like everything uh i let the circumstances influence me um and i started like face painting and, and then eventually i started like Attaching things to myself and it kind of grew from there, and like a character developed. I've always oh. worked really since the, the later 90s. I've kind of always worked in character. I have David Nobody is a definite character, it's uh-huh. definite a construct, or I mean, he's, he's supposed to be kind of the enfant terrible of internet performance art, sort okay.
0: of. Yeah. Loosely.
1: Yeah. So I'm always taking the piss, you know, on, on, on people's expectations and stuff. There's a lot of perception, deception. There's much more perception, deception in my performances than most other performance artists that I know in NFT, especially. They want to be really nice to everybody. I want to fuck everybody up.
0: What's a negative influencer? Tell me. Well,
1: what that a negative influencer is someone who, uh, who rubs you the wrong way for all the right reasons. Um, <laughs> okay. it's, it's uh, – well, I think that, that that that's part of the development of, of David Nobody, which um, means not having a body, actually. It means uh, a disembodiment. Because I think actually when you're on, on your phone and on the internet, like you, you lose you, – it's like an out-of-body experience. Increasingly, we're like we're, – we're leaving our bodies into something else, like another – digital realm i mean that's kind of existential but
0: um yeah no i, do. I mean I'm, I'm tracking that man and i mean i think you're not really wrong man i mean the more we go down this rabbit hole of like digital in like digital life it's augmented sure. reality it's virtual reality everything right? yeah digital reality man i mean we're all walking around on our phones all the time
1: i know. know yeah and our brain it's like our your soul is almost someplace else <laughs> you
0: know, I'm, I'm a I ride motorcycles, man. I'm a big mm-hmm. ton like big ton of motorcycle riding. And uh-huh. I live I live down here in Charleston, which you know. And I ride motorcycles all the time, man. And it, it's made me hyper aware of like what people are doing in their cars when I'm driving. Mm-hmm. And I'm like riding my motorcycle through town like all the time. And it, literally every single car that I look in, people are just looking at their phones.
1: I know. It's amazing. They're, They're not know. looking
0: at the road. Nobody's looking at the road. Nobody's driving road, around you know. looking at the phone. That's yeah, equivalent to
1: like having drank like eight beers is what they say. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. You know. Like you're yeah, pretty fucked not. up. Yeah, yeah, no, it's totally crazy. I yeah, believe. I mean, as, like a, as, an urban,
1: as an urban cyclist, like I would definitely.
0: Yeah.
1: I mean, I ride. I rode a fixed gear bike with no brakes. Mean, which means I don't know if you've ever tried one, but it's kind of like um like a unicycle. No way. Like you can control the rate of the pedals uh, because mm-hmm. they're locked to the back wheel with the chain. There's no free wheel, so you can actually go backwards. You have to try it to understand it, but. So if you're going to ride without brakes, which is like more purist and it's really for the tracks, you can put a handbrake on it. But I think it's, I, I it's, it's an art. I mean, you can stop you're
0: crazy, man. There's no, yeah, way yeah. there's no way I would get on that. I would be totally dead.
1: Yeah. Um, well, no, you can, you can control the speed of the bike and you can lock up. the, uh,
0: lock up the pedal.
1: Yeah. But, um, like
0: an elephant on a football.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, it, it makes you also anticipate a lot. Right. Um, and in my right. performances, I kind of think about um, when I'm doing things, some of the older pieces that really involve like more uh, real-life infiltrations. I don't know if you saw any of the – that I stalked Trump for a year in 1999 and Bob <laughs> and Yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of bodies of
0: work. Tell me about that, man. You stalked yeah. Donald Trump for a year?
1: Yeah. Well, we'll get there in a second. But regarding okay. – bikes and like energy flow and observation. And, you know, even riding a motorcycle, you have to make life and death decisions like really quick and like you're very, you become more hyper observant because of your vulnerability. Like you're, you're, you say you're like looking, you notice how people are looking at their phones. It used to be in the 1990s that people were a lot more aggro, the drivers were more self-righteous and would cut you off or get out of their car with a baseball bat and come after you all kinds of stuff but now like it's really they're spaced out they're yeah. just like on their phones and thinking about something else so like mm-hmm. my my ride style is like um i i i i have never really been in a wreck in 30 years like a couple
0: things me neither <laughs> knock yeah. on wood yeah. yeah
1: knock on wood man seriously that's awesome but um yeah i think um yeah, people are pretty pretty zoned out. So,
0: what got you into the digital art realm, man? What what inspired that?
1: Well, uh, I mean, a lot of the older pieces, like um, like the stalking Trump. I yeah. got into like um, when I was working with Dominic, I, uh, this English guy, Dominic McGill, this English guy I met in New York, who's super smart motherfucker, and he was I was crazy and smart enough, but he was super smart and he was better educated than me about a more punk approach to art. And I had never read Society of the Spectacle, for example, which is okay. incredible. That really describes like what we're in about regarding simulated capitalist reality. Um, it's really says in the 1960s that like um, photographs of us doing things someday would become more important than us actually doing things. And that's what we live in right now. We gotta tell me the that. name.
0: Of, say yeah. the name of that book again. What was the it's name? It's uh,
1: Guy Debord, Society of the Spectacle. You can just read okay. the summary on Wikipedia, and you're gonna be like, Jesus fucking Christ! That will really, I think, link you to like what's considered a little bit old school now. But that's like part of the sort of uh, Duchamp and Warhol and Guy Debord into punk rock. There's a lineage about simulated reality, and that's okay. really where I'm coming into NFT. Yeah. Like, it's, it's almost like, um, from a reverse angle. Um, I'm interested in how, when we look at, uh, digital imagery, how we take that language and we start interacting with each other in real life. Like we're online without realizing it, like we're doing it all the time, constantly. Sometimes when I'm talking with someone, I swear like we're looking at each other as like images and captions live like you're taking that architecture into life. So for me, like, like our perception of reality is already so digital. It's like we're like awash in propaganda, basically.
0: Yeah, Dude, so, you're not wrong, man. You're not wrong at all. I mean, I'm, when you're having so a conversation, with you, I even have like subtitles running on my conversations with people. For sure, man. sure. We're
1: so, <laughs> we're so fucked up. Like we. Yeah, we totally um, up. So I guess like my performances are responding to understanding that and, and also like super keeping it funny. I mean, life is absurd, you know, <laughs> you're yeah. going to die, you know, like it's just insane, crazy. And so like, what are you going to do? I mean, have some fun. Yeah. And, um, but I, I think about, you know, how, how we see how it's changing, how the technology is. So my approach to, to digital technology is looking at, looking at it from a more beha- a behavioral point of view, and how we see reality point of view and how that kind of feeds back into the internet itself. It's, I'm totally on, I'm, I'm in my own shit basically in the NFT world. I don't, I, I don't think, I mean, I think people appreciate it and they understand it when I talk about it, but I think I'm like on another angle, but it's cool. It's, it's fun to be an oddball. I like it.
0: Who onboarded you, man? How'd you get into, how'd you get into it? Like, what, how'd you get into- uh,
1: well, I was like making, as far as like work, work, like the the videos that I made on Instagram um, that started going viral, starting in like 2015, I had like maybe 3,000 followers, okay. and by 2016, all of a sudden, like High Fructose approached me and said, "Hey, we'd like to do a piece on your work." I really started to do like portraits every day on myself, like covering myself in peanut butter, like really fast, like crazy fast stuff, yeah. and it blew up bigger and bigger and bigger. Um, so I sold the photography as prints when I could. Uh, I scraped a living out of that, I did okay. Um, the videos were just like viral. I mean, I would license them to viral video companies that used to be a thing. Uh, okay. like MTV would give you 600 bucks for a license, or I wow. got some gigs with um Adult Swim that were cool, but yeah. you know, I basically was able to piecemeal and my rent was I rented out part of my space, so it was low in those years. Um, but little did I know that like, especially with the videos and to some extent with the photography too, is is that I was already making like NFTs kind of, I mean, I had the work. I had years of work that was just sitting on my computer, like good work that that was famous and had gone viral on, on Instagram and someone messaged me. I mean, it's my friend, Wes, uh, Wes McHugh, uh, who's now like a informal advisor of mine. Um, who's a okay. collector and NFT enthusiast, yeah? And general nutcase. Um, and <laughs> he messaged me in like February of 21. And I had heard yeah. about what was happening with people and stuff like that. yeah. Um, and I thought he was on crystal meth. He was like writing so much. I didn't know who he was. He's like, dude, 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 you got to try NFTs, man. Have you thought about tokenizing your work? I was like, whoa, who are you? You know, I had never seen someone so stoned on hype, you know, um, but he turned out to be a great friend man, and I'm glad I met him. But um, you had to get, uh, it seemed like foundation was a good, the best place to mend at, t- at the time because he needed an invite. And yeah. I met um, food mask who online, who's also puts food on his face. Yeah. He kind of started a little bit later and we're like, I don't know distant cousins. I mean, there's not that many performance people on okay. NFTs right. so we were compared a lot, even though we're, we're different, but there's some similarities. I've definitely put a lot of shit on my face.
0: Yeah. Um, <laughs> but
1: he onboarded, he he had an invite available for foundation and he, he onboarded me and even loaned me enough ETH to get the gas to, to mint my first piece. Oh, wow. It was like, like, like there's incredible acts of generosity and kindness in the NFT world. It's like, it's pretty. There's a part of it that's really, really nice. You know, yeah,
0: that's that's really true, man. I relate to this story a lot, man. I, I'm like your friend Wes, man. As soon as I found out about NFTs, I started messaging like artists that I knew. Like I, there's some local artists here, and I was I blew them up, man. I made made these guys go like sit down with me at Starbucks and listen to my ranting about NFTs. Uh, the problem is I never found anybody that would just bite. <laughs> and everybody, yeah. Tried.
1: Well, it's like right, right time, right place.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I had like all this this like I mean I had kind of like done something pretty incredible on Instagram. Like, you know, you gotta understand, like I, I had shows in the past. Um yeah. like like the not only was that I did I stalk Trump for a year in nineteen ninety nine and predicted the Trump presidency, which is very popular with QAnon, although they don't know it's me. <laughs> there was another piece where I went out as this um as this uh, i posed as a rich guy for a year in new york in 99 into 2000 alex von Furstenberg, and i had a a, a cheap 20 suit and i conservative white guy haircut um i kind of made myself over to look like really clean cut and uh-huh. i snu- i found out uh through looking at the gossip pages of the post and the daily news like these sort of joe Schmo newspapers here in new york uh, where um famous people were going to be um and i would like I started crashing these parties and eventually I got in like much quicker by saying I was Alex who's a real person. <laughs> and uh <laughs> so I I mean I I had seen like celebrity fanatics who like in the 90s a little bit who had snuck in who would sneak in and get their photos taken with famous people by handing a camera to strangers. And right. I was like, wow, that's the most incredibly like brutally lowbrow, amazing, conceptual, emotional, weird American photography I've ever seen. I want to become one of those guys. I so wish, yeah. I tried for a while and then eventually I remember the name von Furstenberg from from boarding school because yeah. they didn't go there, but people I knew from New York were like obsessed with them. So okay. it was like a brand name persona kind of that I remembered. And I was going out to something one night and I said I was Alex and I ended up meaning, meeting Barry White. <laughs> and getting into the party and like getting champagne and all that kind of, even though I don't drink. Um, but um, so that, that turned out to be a major project and there are actually 60 photos in the collection. Okay. I did it undercover for a year and then I outed it to the press and I had a solo show at, a, at an up and coming pretty cool gallery in Williamsburg, right? My neighborhood where yeah. I was really like a, a well-known dude artist, dude, yeah. Yeah. Through the '90s and 2000s, and um, it, it ended up on national TV on ABC 2020, and on the front page of the Globe, or um, and also the New York Observer. Uh, got a lot, a lot of press, and that was like way before the internet. Um, and I took it really far, and I sold my prints, but I still was broke afterwards. The problem was, is there was no social media, and like I was, a, well, I was a really ahead of the game there. So I right. kept having to reinvent myself and like try new bodies of work cuz i would like go so far with one thing you know it was kind of fortunate it actually diverted diversified my creativity like all the obstacles that i had um, it was hard to
0: blow up before social media came along and get like
1: well you you yeah you needed to make like the right work at the right time and like there was yeah. an interest in like this kind of like loser art shit that i was doing in the late 90s and early 2000s but it was fleeting and Same. The art world moved on to something else you know they weren't that into what they were into me for a second for a minute but basically like me and my friends who were like in my collective who were all those guys were all geniuses all of them they're profound yes. motherfuckers they don't want to be successful they didn't really want fame i wanted to be successful so that i could commune with more people kind yeah. of I, I like doing that and i because i have more to give. And it's kind of like, I work by call and response, just like you and I are doing right now. Sure. But, but we were like really, and I was like really gatekept, like really, I know it sounds fancy that I'm from New York or that I lived in New York. I'm a New York artist and stuff, but you know, I was like really, really gatekept. People were like, wow, you're so under-recognized. I love your work. You Should be a millionaire you're so underrecognized. That's what I heard, you know? Oh, you're an artist, artist, you know, fuck right. you. No, no, they meant well, you know, but, um, but it was, it was aggravating. And like I saw, I didn't really understand it. Like with Instagram starting in 14, 15, 16, what I was doing, I was just like, uh, I want to make art like crazy. Okay. Oh, look, this is really performative. Oh, look, if you use yourself and the, the work on social media, you get more likes and more comments. And it just grew like intuitively from there. But I had like already early experience, like doing something similar without social media in the older projects like Alex and and stalking Trump and other other pieces. Um, But it was really on Instagram that like I people like me, like broke down the fucking gates, we broke the gates down. We went around all the art snobs that were not going to give us a show. We were like, fuck you we'll take it to the public. And it worked. It was wow. amazing. So that's yeah, well, basically how I did it.
0: Incredible man. That's uh, that's yeah, that's really cool. What was the first thing you minted as an NFT?
1: Uh, it was actually not a new piece. Cause I, at first, really for the first year, I really minted older pieces that all these mm-hmm. pieces that I made. So I was right like,
0: what was your Genesis piece?
1: The Genesis piece was peanut butter painter. Okay. Um, it's a, I'm wearing a paint tray with this really bad painting behind me. And I'm, um, it's loaded with peanut butter and i I have a paint roller and I'm rolling the paint across the peanut butter across my face. So it makes lots of ASMR squishy noises. Yeah. And then I turn to the painting and paint on the painting. It's just a quick, you know, 14 right, yeah. seconds. And, yeah. um, that I minted that and it was bought by a big artist, James Jean
0: who
1: he still have it? yeah nice james gene is uh i had heard of but didn't know much about about him but he's a huge artist i mean he has a million like millions of followers wow um and then he bought the second one from that like right i mentioned another one a week later i was like blown away i didn't but i was yeah. like it was really
0: a- artists like your work i saw that you posted something they were like Coldy and uh i can't remember who else but i know like Coldy just bought one of
1: pieces yeah Coldy bought one of my pieces and we're i think him him and matt kane who are who's the uh uh, those are those are oh big og guys oh really i love i love them and they really like
0: oh man i had him on here i i interviewed him i did a oh cool yeah he's a major like crypto art yeah 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 i mean
1: i feel like he's one of those people that started minting in like 2018
0: yeah. Basically. He's super smart, man, and he's like one of the earliest guys. You yeah. Know I mean? yeah.
1: I think he's very free thinking too. We've never spoken in person, but I'm gonna meet yeah. him at People. He's going.
0: Yeah, I know. I taught when I talked to him, he told me he was probably gonna be going to that,
1: man. Yeah, really sounds cool. like he's yeah. going. So yeah. I'm right
0: somehow yeah. those
1: guys got a hold of this this pennies edition and it really kind of blew them away. Yeah. Um, yeah. that I, I released as part I did a solo show in June that was pretty physical but i i had four nfts actually the champagne piece that Coldy just collected um is from that show and so that's where i met those guys online and like i don't know we just have struck up a cool friendship nice. correspondence ever since then i always anytime i meant something i always like dm them the the link and say hey guys just keeping you updated you know
0: yeah yeah the way okay. that I became aware of you, like your existence, is that uh, I saw you were going to be part of this Beeple show. And uh, for people listening that don't know what we're talking about, I talk about Beeple a lot on this show because he's from Charleston. And he's the reason that I would go, like got into NFTs because I heard about his Christie sale and it was like all over the local news back in 2020, which is what got me going on NFTs to begin with. And now he's opening this like art museum slash gallery installation. I don't even know what it is, man. It's just like a big facility here in Charleston that he's about to open, which will be probably like ground zero for NFTs for people, you know, in the future. I don't know, man. It probably will be Charleston. It, so, it sounds like.
1: pretty cool. I, I don't know yeah. if you if you've seen the building, but I'm imagining like like. That he bought something like a Home Depot type building. That's
0: yeah, I mean. no, man, that's exactly what it is. It's like a big yeah. mean, like industrial you know, not industrial, industrial but like a great building. Yeah. yeah. Man, I mean, cool. And uh, you know, Beeple's got the juice to do it right, you know. Yeah. So I'm sure whatever they're coming up with over there is gonna be just out of this world. Yeah.
1: I think he's a great I think he's a great artist. It's grown on me. I mean, I think at, like the art world people can't stand him. But, you know, yeah, I've, I've been following him for a couple of years now, and, and when you watch his dailies, you understand the brain yeah. a lot better. You know, at first oh, you're yeah. like, oh, look, this is so easy, but mm, that's not what it's always about. You know, it's just that he's a beast. <laughs> you know, anybody that makes work every single day like that and is runs a big business that he's running is yeah. like a fucking beast of, of an artist. Beast, you know.
0: Yeah. Became, you know, the art world hates him because he became the highest uh, paid art living artist in in the world.
1: <laughs> well, they, they can't stand it. I mean, the thing is, is like the 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 reason why in NFT world, the people are so transparent about earnings and even bragging, you know, about like, hey, I sold this for this. And everyone's like, fuck, yeah, there isn't yeah. really an overt envy. But there, of course, people are always envy, envious, and competitive too.
0: Yeah. When you're not
1: selling much, it's like hard to see someone like really win like crazy. I, I, I love it for them, you know. But you're like, fuck. When is it gonna happen for me? But if you, if you make good work, I think think cool things will happen. You know, just got to keep keep going. It's been yeah. up and down for for me, you know. Like not every, it hasn't been always like yeah, yeah. You know, this this last year was fucked up, man. I mean, like a lot of my collectors became illiquid, liquid, and I've only rebuilt like starting last fall on Tezos, I really rebuilt everything and it's been good. I'm getting like, I can feel the, feel it building up again.
0: Oh, right on. I didn't know you were on Tez, man. I'll, I'll have to check that out, man. I'm,
1: oh, cool. I, yeah. I, I like the Tezos community a lot. And I've met Me a whole, a whole nother crew there. It's, you know, honestly, I, I, I mean, I think there's amazing people all throughout the space. And that's like coming from someone who I've been in a lot of art scenes, like a lot. A lot of yes. different art scenes, and I've seen them right. rise and fall. And this is a fucking great one. It's really good. What do you I,
0: think about this, man? I mean, like, do you feel like we're in a pivotal moment in history, in art history right now? Yes. You do? Can you talk yes. about your thoughts on that? I'm interested to hear what you're uh,
1: How is it pivotal? Um,
0: yeah, how is it pivotal? It, it's, it's really
1: – I mean, it's really like – um part of the theme of like, I mean, decentralization, this is part of the, 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 it was already happening, but it got builder bigger during the pandemic. And, and if you actually look at the history of pandemics, that's when a lot of social upheavals happen. Like black lives matter happened. Like what else? There was like so much that was triggered by the pandemic. Uh, I, I read an article somewhere at the beginning of the pandemic that really traced things like the black, societies since the middle ages that like the black plague, like really changed society. The, the proletariat is like, fuck the Kings and they took them out, you know, and there was a big, (laughs) it was a big, uh, um, so I think what's happening with with NFT and art is like part of an upheaval. I think that's still ongoing. And, but of course it's, it has a lot to do with the technology too. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's just wild what's happening. AI is very wild. And, you know, people in the art world can't stand it. But it's like, to me, I I, I look at all this stuff as like, um, how can I use this to question myself? How can I use this to be more introspective? That's yeah, what I use yeah. all all, everything around me, all upheavals, I'm like,
0: it, it's a major disruption to like traditional art,
1: for sure. Yeah, it is. And, and like one thing that really bothers them is like, well, I mean, first of all, a lot of the the aesthetics and like the the work doesn't really reference like the the body of of art. You know, like
0: yeah, right.
1: people who go to Yale and I know them, like <laughs> who 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 did grad school at Yale, like their work is like very um, has quite a doctrine to it it's it's art because they're able to cleverly reference the history of art in their work right but like and i and I'll, i do re, i do reference art history but not not overtly i have my own i kind of think like i'm interested in like mm, different areas of thought of society and like comparing and contrasting them like yeah. hey this performance artist did this but look someone just did this on youtube what's the relationship
0: it's like more uh, about culture than about art
1: yeah more about uh, well, no, I just think that, that that in NFT like people are coming from like really different worlds. There's yeah, been like a, a ongoing democratization of art uh, happening because of the internet and I'm much better known because of it. Like again, the uh, snobs exactly. can't keep me out anymore, <laughs> like they used to be able to. But at the same funny. time, the 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 forum and the palette is kinda of, and the field have opened up NFT opens it up a lot more. It's like I don't know who's to say like, what, what is really good art? (laughs) I don't know all the time. I'm, I'm challenged by what I see. I like it, you know? Um, but in the, in the art world, they're sort of very dogmatic in their approach and they're just like, fuck that shit. It's not good. But actually the art world is based on a lot of cheesy shit that just sells. And they, they, collectors flip paintings there for money.
0: It's not as fast, but, but yeah, yeah, of course, for sure. Are you still in Williamsburg? Are you still live there?
1: Yeah, I'm like, it, well, I'm not quite. I'm in, in another part of Brooklyn, not not too far away. But yeah, oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Do well, you know too- Snuffy? Are you f- familiar with Snuffy?
1: Snuffy? No, who's that?
0: Yeah. He's another artist, man. He's just he lives in Williamsburg. I just thought since you guys lived in the same general area. No, right?
1: I don't know who that is.
0: Uh, he's been really successful uh, at you know with the the NFT scene too. He's like a tattoo oh. artist. He lives oh. in you know, Williamsburg. Oh. And he does like fine art, and he's like gotten his work into some galleries and stuff in New York, man. Which is cool. Really, yeah, good for cool. him. Yeah, you should check him out since you guys are neighbors. You guys, uh, okay, cool. there's yeah. really cool. a few people
1: are, around around here in New York. Um, that are yeah,
0: neighbors. yeah, <laughs> I know you're in. I <laughs>
1: met um, I met Ben Zank a couple times. Yeah. I, I love
0: something. his work, man. I'd love to get yeah. him on the show. Actually, I keep messaging oh. him, you know, but it's like yeah.
1: the, 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 he won't. He doesn't the, like, the, like to do uh, interviews. He won't, he won't, I, he, he did like one Twitter live. He's pretty reclusive, actually. Yeah, He's, I know
0: a lot of artists are like that, man. It's hard to yeah. get artists. It's hard to get artists on this show, man, because like, you know, like um, a, lot of, a lot of them are, you know, introverts.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that, that with the internet, there's, I mean, maybe you and I are from, I don't know if you count yourself as extroverted. I definitely, I, I have a strong introverted side too, but I'm definitely, Pretty extroverted, but a lot of the the animators and stuff, like you know, they talk at like in a one decibel mumble when you meet them. (laughs) I mean, I know them, you know. Yeah. Can be quite shy. Who else have I met in New York? I met a Brian Tesler from Cool 3D World. is amazing. We're we're in touch. He came to my studio one time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I try, well, congratulations I to you on getting invited to the Beeple show, man. Tell me how that worked out for you. How did you end up getting invited to this Beeple grand opening I applied. as one of the featured artists?
1: Uh, it seemed like a long shot to me. Um, yeah. I Someone, no Wes, my friend Wes, uh-huh. sent me the link to the – or sent me Beeple's tweet, and he said, you should really apply. And then it said, well, you don't need to show new work, so – I was like, "Well, shit, that's not that hard." I didn't really know how to do all the video stuff, so I actually uh, got uh, worked with an artist, Fake Smile, who's in London, who helped me. Like, just lay it's it's you had to kind of lay out a schematic of of in the right size and all this stuff uh, for the videos to be projected into a space with columns and the videos fit on the columns and certain proportioned walls. I was like, "I don't know, do not know how to do that." So I got someone to help me. It took us like a day i submitted it and like as i was like sending it off my mother called me and said your father's in the emergency room oh man and i had to rush home to pennsylvania for a family emergency and you know i told you what happened there yeah man um and i like literally left my computer with like um it it was like 17 gigs because it was like monster files they wanted for this for the submission yeah. And like I left my computer and it was like at 50% submitted. And I was like, fuck, I was like, shit. You know, I was like, I hope it goes. And then the next <laughs> day I, I saw like uh Beeple studio said, we have received your, no, 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 no. I got an automated response. I was like, cool. All right. Yeah. And then I saw, I saw uh, Mike uh, Beeple um, tweet like a, a couple days later, he was like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We got 500 applications, and we only have 12 slots." And I oh, was man. like, oh, "No, chance, <laughs> no way." Um, so, but I told a bunch of people, uh, like I broadcasted pretty loudly that I was applying yeah. to everybody I could think of. I told okay. Colby, I told all those guys. Yeah. Um, I don't know if any if it helped at all. I don't know, but I think the installation was really strong. It's really. Um it's kind of like a I called it a nobody a smorgasbord I think. Um it's just like 18 of of my videos, square videos all playing at once like all over the place. It's it's pretty uh it's pretty over the top and that's what he was asking for so yeah I got an email um a couple days later. I mean I sold work when I was home like helping my my mother and my father a collector on, on Tazus bought two one-of-ones in the middle of the night, and it was, like, unbelievable. Nice. And then a day or two later, I got an email from, from the Beeple staff saying I had one. And I was like, my jaw was on the ground.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's, yeah, really, really happy for you, man. That's super cool. I, so that's coming up pretty soon.
1: Yeah, I'll be down there.
0: Yeah, that's really great, man. What Do you, do you collect anything? Are you a collector of anything? Um, or?
1: I was collecting more. I'm collecting less now. I'm, um, Are you a
0: Tezos collector? Do you have a Tezos collection?
1: Um, not prolifically. Uh, I've traded with some people and collected a few things here and there, but like not. I haven't really gone buck wild and really sat down on to, on object and really collected. I I want to do that. I'm tending to trade. Right. Say if I have an addition and it's like a little slow in terms of selling at first, and sometimes it takes a while for it to yeah. pick up, well, I'll start trading with people.
0: Nice.
1: Just to like whittle the supply down and like get some work and I'll, they get my work. I don't know. So I've been trading. In 21, um, I I was like really, really balling for me. I mean, I was selling. You're our in the mold
0: on. You were balling. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah,
1: I mean not millionaire, but like, like nothing I've ever seen. I was selling like, wow. pulling like three to five ETH per week for a couple months. That's great. Man. And yeah. it was, uh and also I took profit too. So my parents yeah. were like, "Fucking don't hold that shit. No way you take profit, <laughs> motherfucker." So I did when it was high. And, yeah,
0: yeah. You know, when ETH was high. Well, that was
1: good. That <laughs> yeah. was good because it sustained me. Because in in twenty two, like I sold. I had like zero sales for almost six months.
0: Oh man. Wow.
1: It was it was horrible. So I lived off of what I was at. So you gotta really make hay when the sun shines and this stuff. Yeah. And then when the when the bear market I mean, I had never really tied the work to finance before. Like I right. didn't understand I probably overspent a little bit when I was doing pretty good and and I started like buying like almost one ETH pieces, which in retrospect I would I I can't afford that. That's insane, you know. But I just seemed like it wasn't really going to end. So um, yeah, I collected a couple of really really cool things. I cl- I collected a William Cobbing oh, piece. Wow. I tend to support performance art usually.
0: Right
1: yeah, on. I got some. I have a Violet Bond. I have a William Cobbing. I have a Jan Erikson that I I collected that was like 0.5. Wow. But I I would be pretty reluctant to spend that kind of dough right now, knowing what I how topsy turvy this this thing can be.
0: Yeah man I was collecting like uh crazy man in 21 and then you know mm-hmm. the this big dip man I've been like you know it's it's hard man you know it's it's hard to buy stuff when it's in a bear market like this man it's Yeah
1: yeah it's tough the the additions the cycle's tough.
0: been rough you know like I'm uh, ready for it to be over
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's been rough were you did you, were, were you really stacked on PFPs or were you buying art or
0: yeah, art, mostly art. Uh, yeah. Honestly, man. But I mean, I had a you know like you know I had a moonbird that was worth over a hundred grand at one point. You know, uh-huh. it's about twelve grand right now. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. You know, just stuff like that. I mean, you know, yeah. I wish have taken. Like, I
1: taken- <laughs> well, who would have thought? I mean, you just. I don't yeah. really know if yeah. I never really fucked with the stock market, and I didn't understand like bull markets and bear markets that well coming into this now i know how everybody thought it
0: was going to go further and longer i think you know than it did and then it just yeah
1: the war was really and and a a terrible war like a really painful and like a a fucking waste what a fucking waste man like of all the things that we could be working on on this planet like that's what we're working on is like self-destruction yeah, it's Just wasting cool. shit, man. I don't know. But um the war fucked fucked it. But it was something was gonna was gonna make the bubble burst, I guess, you know. And maybe the more experienced cats like Coldy and stuff foresaw things like this happening. You know, they 'cause cause Coldy, I've chatted with him about like, you know, that he's been through bear bear and bull markets before. Yeah, like, right. a couple of them. They know, you know.
0: Right. We're learning <laughs> yeah. the hard way well this is how you learn man you go through. yeah this the is running. how you
1: learn is by mistakes
0: yeah next time i'll take profits
1: <laughs> yeah yeah you should take some profit basically it's very yeah. hard to judge though you know it's like you don't
0: yeah. who helps you do you have a team of anybody, or anybody are you totally solo
1: i'm totally solo except for when i have a budget or like a sh- bigger show where it's like the production is like there's no way i could do it by myself i you have a
0: friend you do collaborations
1: Not recently, but in the past for sure. Um, Like the solo show that I had last June, Upside Down World, where I made a giant upside down room set in the gallery. Um, And I made all these upside down performances that I did on a giant. It's actually in the back of the studio behind the set paper. I made a giant wooden and steel wheel where I could attach sets and people to and turn it upside down and have the shit fly all over the place. That's Mm -hmm. how the champagne piece and and that coldy collected – and those okay. others were made and the idea was was to show uh upside down performances where i was upside down on this wheel and stuff was flying everywhere uh anti-gravity performances in an upside down room um that was a lot that was a lot of fun but for yeah. that show i basically i had like two assistants and a camera person that i hired yeah. and okay. also i i i paid A friend of mine slash traded a lot of NFTs. It was a $20,000 fabrication for him to build that. The upside down room was expensive, but it was beautiful. He did it absolutely beautiful. And like, I didn't break my back on that, on that part of the show. I didn't break my back. Um, But yeah, that was, so I, I kind of like job out stuff to to vendors and stuff as I need it. But only when like, like for that, I basically took my own earnings from twenty one and invested it into. I wanted to make a much more physical solo show, like that was like really physical, but like yeah. really conceptual and like had NFTs in it, you know, mainly as the central thing that I'm selling. Um, and uh, yeah, I really believed in it, so I, I went for it and I ate shit hard <laughs> on that one. But uh, but it was it was worth it. Yeah. So for that stuff, I, I have help, and but for the the, the majority. 95% of my pieces I I'm, I'm, I work on on by myself with a camera on a tripod and, gotcha. um, yeah.
0: Before we run too close to time, man, tell me about the Donald Trump thing, man. This is like- Oh, yeah. Hear about it, yeah. Uh,
1: <laughs> Trump. Um, I just thought he was a total cheese ball at the time. And um, uh, before I had uh, done Alex, I did another piece uh, with the English guy where, where we uh, went out, to places like Trump tower wearing a tuxedo and white gloves with a roll of red carpet. And we would stand there and no one was coming. And that's where I really learned in about 96, 97 about celebrity fanatics. And I guess we, we did pieces in front of Trump tower and, and I got, I was like, Oh, well, I'd like to become obsessed with Donald Trump. just seems (laughs) like the most wrong thing I could think of, you know, coming from like predominantly Democrat, like very leftist, you know, art world. I was like, what could I do? That would be like really expose, America, the patriarchy, and like, and offend the art world. Yeah. <laughs> what, what's like, what would do that? And I was like, oh, Donald Trump. The so, Donald. But it wasn't like, you know, me and Dominic were talking about Donald Trump. He'd be like, He's right, cheesy, you know, English guy was like laughing at America. And so I was influenced by that. And um, so I met him, I snuck in, in wearing a suit saying my name was Dave. And um, I met him five times. And then I met him a sixth time at the Taj Mahal in Atlantic city, where he was going to have a pro Trump presidential exploratory rally. He was started to flirt with the press that he was going to run for president. So I met him there. Um, I brought five of the eight by 10 prints and a big fat gold paint marker. And I got him to autograph all five prints. Those are not for sale. (laughs) That's like for the museum someday if they'll take it. Um, And so I, I was like, well, if you're obsessed with Trump and like, I kind of would brainwash myself into like really liking. I like tend to brainwash myself into liking stuff that I kind of don't like in my work. Some of the things I wear as David, nobody, actually, it's not cause I like, I like them. Actually, I hate them. I'm trying to figure out how to come to terms with it. So I make up some crazy way to, to deal with it. You know what I mean? That's like my work. Um, so, so same with, with the older pieces I would turn myself uh, into like all out, like brainwashed living illusions, you know, when I would go out at night. Um, and so I met him and then he was rumoring that he was going to run for president. So I spoke with a graphic designer, good friend of mine and, and we made a Trump for president 2000 poster. Um, and I went out a couple times on the street with a camera guy, um, uh, an older, uh, photographer and videographer, who's also ex- really brilliant. Richard Sandler was an incredible camera guy and we interviewed people if they would vote for Trump with me standing there as an advocate with a sign. One of those times that we were down near Wall Street, we heard a lot of noise and I walked over and uh, the band Rage Against the Machine was having an illegal um, live uh, concert on the steps of the stock exchange um, directed by Michael Moore, who was there. And so I went by with my Trump sign and the, and the producers were like, dude, come here, come here, come here. And so I walked over and they shot me and I was cut into the video. That's wow. the QAnon connection right there. They oh, think, they think that was CIA. No, it was me just being an idiot, basically. <laughs> idiot savant or something. Um, so I showed it at the time and people were like, wow, that's really weird. And, but it didn't really have – the kind of teeth that the von Furstenberg had like, like mad teeth, you know, like took off Yeah. the kind of social sculpture basically. Um, and Trump, um, was uh, a late bloomer, you know, when he became president in 2016, like friends of mine from back in the day, they're like, dude, you fucking predicted this shit. I'm like, I know, (laughs) fucking no. Sorry. (laughs) You know, anyway,
0: there you go. That's incredible, man. I love that story. Thanks for telling me that, man. Yeah. What do you think about the What do you think about the future of art, and the art market, and the way things are going with this digital revolution, this NFT? It's
1: going to get bigger and
0: bigger. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, I think that uh, there stands a strong chance, but it's hard to say um, that you know there'll be mass adoption. What and, do you think
0: about all this, like, like this royalties conversation that's happening? And, well, I'm,
1: I, I, uh, I, I believe very strongly in artist royalties. Yeah. I, it's like extremely offensive that this is being, yeah, challenged, you know, by greed, basically.
0: Yeah, it's sad. Uh, yeah.
1: yeah, it's it's really people are
0: really upset
1: about it. I'm I am really? really concerned. You know, I was like, yeah. wow, you know, that was one of the big bonuses. I mean, obviously, I'm still going to mint, but like probably in my additions if i'm not going to get royalties i'm gonna i'm i'm gonna hold some of my addition to myself that's what yeah, i'm gonna to have to do basically i'll figure it yeah, out i mean
0: there's got to be a way to adapt to this like, yeah uh,
1: well i think what some people are saying
0: shifting, yeah.
1: yeah i don't know i'm not an expert on all this stuff like i feel like i feel like some nft people are going to listen to me listen to this and be like he doesn't know what he's talking about it's true like technically i don't really understand royalties right. all the way and how it's enforced and um but as a principle it was like is very it feels very egalitarian and very important for the healthy growth of the space i do worry based on like what happens with neighborhoods and the internet is that artists come into new situations and we evolve them and make them amazing and then rich corporations come in and take over and gentrify it. And the same thing, like the neighborhoods like Williamsburg was destroyed by developers. It's fucking destroyed. It looks like Las Vegas. When I lived there in the nineties and the two thousands, it was like a little working class village. Basically that had a mad soul, man, you know, and it's gone. Like, it's hard for me to walk through that neighborhood. And like, when I go to, to, to Instagram was also, they really used artists like me they figured out that like provocative artists could get them a lot of attention. Oh, we love artists. And well, they're not very interested in artists. Now they're interested in shopping, you know? So I do worry that, um, what could happen with NFTs is is that it'll get gentrified and the artists will get pushed out. I hope not. I think, I feel like with the royalties and things like this built in that it's designed to prevent that shit from happening again. But it may. I don't really know. I'm an old yeah, guy.
0: It's interesting to me that this whole like uh, NFT thing kind of exploded through the artists, you know, like the the catalyst for all of this has been art and artists.
1: But mm-hmm. artists are always the gentrifiers. Yeah. You know, I I hope that that this is different, you know, and it may I feel like the transparency of it, there's a lot of attributes to the transparency between the finance and artists empowerment that hopefully can, can. Right.
0: can in, in blockchain, everything's visible to everybody.
1: Yeah. It's okay. hard to say. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a crystal ball for it, but I really fucking hope for the best.
0: Yeah. Right on, man. Is there anything that you want to say about yourself or your art or your vision of the future that I didn't ask you?
1: Uh, well, I think I, people ask me, why do you make art? And I usually say is because I have no idea what reality is. You <laughs> tell me, I fucking don't know. I don't yeah. know what reality is or what's real and what's not. So for me to make the, the work that I make is like, it's a very real emotional uh, necessity. Like I kind of yeah. get pretty bummed out when I, after a while when I'm not making things.
0: Um, You've referenced a couple of times to me that you don't drink. No, you not sober? for 20 Are you years. Sober? Are you
1: sober? Uh, I guess. Yeah, but I can. I'm allowed to. I allow myself to smoke weed, but I've kind of progressively lost interest in it. I got you. I know.
0: Yeah. Although, like, I'm, I'm very. I'm sober. sober. I'm sober. That's why I was asking. Man. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not an AA or anything, but I could be. I'm, I'm definitely walking. the son of an I've alcoholic. Walking, yeah,
0: I've been walking that path for about 15 years now. <laughs> Congratulations. It's yeah, a good yeah. path. And my yeah. father was an
1: alcoholic until the day he died yeah (laughs) i don't know how the fuck he did it man like by the time i hit 40 i was like no not 40 i mean i really quit mm, around like 34 for the second time in my 20s i didn't drink for a while in new york i just smoked weed and then after 9 11 i got started getting into coke and and molly and that was a lot of fun and then i got into drinking again and it was a mess
0: i really fucked my life yeah that was that was the end for me, man. The uh, the round nine eleven when I was well, let's see, yeah, a little after that actually. It yeah, I was 35. Well,
1: it was right? a very very dark time, you know. Um, I'm personally glad, like I didn't turn to substances like during COVID. Yeah, you know, like because now I know that like that's not a good way to survive that stuff. It just makes it worse. I tried yeah, to, yeah. a lot. Of, me, a lot of my me and my friends did a lot. Being of- you know, isolated
0: <laughs> isn't good for people with our kind of brain. I don't think. I mean, I being isolated yeah i'm not good when i'm isolated you know i gotta have yeah some human connection.
1: Well, you have to find other ways you know
0: yeah yeah
1: and the internet is really i mean the internet is is a paradox in that you are kind of alone but you're able at least to communicate like we are
0: yeah uh, you know yeah, I mean, it used to
1: be in new york for example like the the all the freaks really lived in the same neighborhood that's right. not true anymore now like no. i meet all my freaky people on the internet
0: you know Dude. It's so weird, man, that, uh, you know, like I made like some Internet friends through NFTs and my involvement in that. Mm -hmm. And then like I started actually like connecting with people and meeting people. And like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's been like I mean, now, like a a lot of my friends are like people that I met on Twitter, Um, (laughs) you know, like I am not like you. you (laughs) Yeah, man, it's totally cool. Like I, I chit chat with like people all over the world now. Yeah, like, you know who i would totally hang out with in real life if they were here in my town yeah you know?
1: yeah, yeah no i mean that's like i i i think the when internet you come is, to charleston
0: you got to crash at my place man you I'm yeah i'm gonna yeah definitely
1: i really <laughs> yeah. appreciate it
0: yeah no worries man <laughs> yeah uh, very,
1: it's very generous of you yeah of course
0: i look forward to having you up here man and uh super nice yeah yeah, uh, and and it in touch. You're you're an interesting guy, and, and since you know we're from like that same generation, and we have a lot yeah. of a lot, we have a lot of that like kind of that background stuff in common, man. Um, you know, it's cool to connect. Yeah, I feel
1: people. like we're the least understood age group. I
0: actually. it's yeah, it's true, man. Like, you know, you we're odd this, this odd. this is an odd, but like people from our generation that are still alive and that yeah. aren't in prison, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that haven't been. They also black. are
1: like very free thinking, you know, but I was really yeah. like in the 1990s, I didn't really start out in the galleries. I started out in these weird art clubs. Right. Um, and I met people like us who were like in their forties or 50, like when I was in my twenties. Yeah, But my parents weren't like that at all. They're very square, you know, yeah, but, uh, parents- but I, I saw us in the future, like in the 90s, I, I met people that would be like, I met this performance artist, Dan McCarrigan, who was a fucking nut. He was like stoned all the time. Not that you have to be stoned all the time. But like, you know, he was happy and like he was like alive and like doing stuff and like it was awesome. He was a total dork. And I was like, how old are you? He's like, I'm 45 years old. I was like, what? You know, I was like 25. I was like, I don't even understand.
0: It right actually
1: <laughs> it's possible to end up that way if you I think you got to meet him when you're younger. And then you realize that there's kind of a way to be like this when you get older.
0: Yeah. My best friend, he's like, uh, I guess he's 65. You oh, know? wow, cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, like we've been best friends for like 20 years or 15 cool. years. Cool. Nice. And it's like, you know, just like, you know, it's like looking into the future, you know, like this crazy. Yeah, life.
1: it is. It is looking <laughs> into the
0: future. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd be like in 20 years. <laughs> yep. 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 And still insane though, man, you know. Absolutely. <laughs> But having a good time and uh, enjoying life, that's what's important.
1: Well, I'm looking forward to the warm weather down there. I think, Charleston, you don't get snow down there, do you?
0: Not really, man. The last time it snowed here, I think, was like five years ago.
1: Wow. And are there gators?
0: Funny you ask. Funny you ask. So my grandmother, who was um, 92 years old, was in a nursing home here in Charleston in uh, 2017. She got eaten by an alligator.
1: She got eaten by
0: one. She got eaten by an
1: alligator. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's crazy. She was in
0: a nursing home, and uh, she had dementia, and mm-hmm. uh, they weren't like you know it was supposed to be like a secure facility, and it, for some reason, like she she was able to walk outside, and they at, will in the middle of the night, and on the property, and on the property of this nursing home. They had a freaking pond with an alligator living in it, a six foot alligator. Whoa. And somehow she like wandered back there, and the next thing you know, man, she got eaten by an alligator.
1: Oh, shit. I'm so sorry.
0: Yeah. So, you know, actually, it's crazy, man. Like, uh, yeah. So
1: you do yeah. have gators down there. Oh, so,
0: yeah. The answer to your question is yes, we do. Yeah. I had gators. a friend that, that was my <laughs>
1: uh, Steve Johnson, who's fucking, yeah. he doesn't live down there anymore. But that guy is fucking crazy. I'm talking about like, he's like, uh, what's his name? Cassidy from the 60s. Like, really fucking nuts. Like, if you would go on road trips with Steve, he would want to stop at every single body of water and swim along the way. You know, he's just very stream okay. of consciousness. He was in my yeah. collective, but he lived in Beaufort. Um, oh, yeah, that's
0: uh, that's down the street from me. I'm in the construction business, man. I actually have a little oh. office down in Beaufort.
1: Man. Oh, cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, oh, But cool. uh, he would be like, Dave, it's like Africa down in South Carolina. There's deer at the end at, on the edge of the lake, and there's gators in there just waiting for him.
0: Oh, yeah, man. It's totally. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's,
1: I didn't realize it was so warm until I looked at the weather and I was like, oh, wow, it's much warmer than, you know, up here.
0: Since COVID, man, everybody from New York tried to move down here, man. So it's like we have this huge population explosion and traffic's oh, wow. completely haywire and like, oh, wow. All these, like, you know, uh, homes and buildings, apartments and shit everywhere. Oh, uh, Well, that's good for your business. Yeah, man. I mean, you know, it's not, yeah, I can't complain. It's good. Yep. Listen, man, it's been great connecting with you. Thank you so much for saying yes to the podcast.
1: Sure. This was a lot of fun. I look forward to seeing you on there.
0: Thank you, everybody, for joining me for another episode of The Ledge with David Henry Nobody Jr. Man, that was awesome. Thank you so much. I'm going to put a link to David's social media and link tree in the show notes below. You can follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore underscore Chris. Or you can find me on Instagram at chrisharper.eth. And I look forward to seeing you all every week out here on the ledge.